for TV. Hello and welcome back to Too Hot for TV, the only Doctor Who podcast that deals with shit like Scream of the Shouter <laughs> and forces us to endure it during the 60th anniversary week. My name is Joe Ford. I'm very delighted to be here as your uh, sort of host today. And I'm here with the glorious Luke Malloy. Say hello. Hello. And the even more glorious, the host with the most, Mr. Dylan Reese. Hello, Dylan. Hello. It's wonderful to be back here for the fifth episode of Scream of the Shalker, which honestly feels like it could be episode 500 by this point. But at least I'm sharing it with two wonderful people. I got to intro the two shittest episodes, the, the second one in and then the penultimate no, episode. No, 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 no. In the episode we just put out yesterday, you said episode five is the best. Yeah, episode. you did. You're not even so consistent you can... day yeah, to yeah. day. And it's only been about four minutes for us. Yeah. <laughs> I just opened my mouth and words come out, you know. They don't have to be consistent. It's not the only thing that comes out. What, what's that supposed to be? <laughs> out of my mouth yeah. Yeah, sometimes you get a scream of the shell could come out there oh I see <laughs> I'm, I'm... he's quite a big boy it does happen <laughs> frequently I'll tell you so we're here for... <laughs> <laughs> See, that's right Mark Raw for a reason <laughs> XXX triple X Raw yeah, um, I'm coming back to the conversation about uh, which of us had the biggest oh, yes. penis on the uh, <laughs> on the, the the group chat the other day. I said that Luke Malloy because he's so cocky. He's obviously got the smallest one of all of us. Valid. And my other half because he's so quiet and uh, inoffensive. He's obviously got the biggest. And you and me, Dylan, we're obviously somewhere. In we're, we're... You can put the Twitter poll out, Dylan, <laughs> for, for Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. Wh- which, which, of, pod... which of your favourite Doctor Who podcasters? I dare you. <laughs> The truth is, we've all got tiny dicks. We're Doctor Who fans. Let it grow. Let it grow. <laughs> it's amazing we're having sex at all. With I'm honest. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's true. Well, let alone in long-term relationships. I know. Who would, who would the shark was not made for people who have sex. <laughs> 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 trying to think whether I was a virgin when this came out but no I wasn't it was 2003 anyway <laughs> I was 23 but yeah no so was, that was I long in the past uh, yeah I was I'm trying to think definitely when Big Finish launched I was still a virgin this is <laughs> this, this is this is what people tune in for this podcast it's exactly what they're here for <laughs> when that when that Benny audio came out I had not touched anything that belonged to anybody else <laughs> <laughs> I remember one month, right, where I, I loved spare money and I could either buy the latest Big Finish release or condoms for that weekend. It was a tough choice, I'll tell you. I won't tell you which way I went. But there is a, there's a gap in my collection of that month. <laughs> Your collection of condoms. C- collection of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, shall we, shall, shall we take this conversation back to Scream of the Shalker? Mm, indeed. So let's jump into episode five, The Threat's Gone Global. We're nearing the climax. Zombies coming out of the mist, don't we? We do. We've got zombies. We've got things coming out of people's heads. We've got worldwide threats. It's gonna. It's gonna be the greatest climax to a Doctor Who story of all time. I feel. So why? Why is it so? Just sort of nothing. Like, because you're right. You say all that, and 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 that is happening. So why does it just end up feeling like a not not much? Because because it's the it it truly is the, the only Doctor that doesn't count. Pretty much. Like, I know we've got the Unbound Rangers, but this is the only bit of official straight from the BBC Doctor Who that doesn't count. It already didn't count when it started. 
and we were already waiting on something different. Wait, does does Joe Martin count? Yeah, of course she does. She's been in the television series <laughs> Doctor Who. I was, I was just I was just putting a fishing rod out there. It's, it's like saying, does John Hurt count? Yeah, he doesn't. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come that, on. That, that's like saying, does the Morbius Doctors count? Does to Ross T Davis? They do. Well, they did in the Timeless Children, uh, yeah. And they did, they and they did to Robert Holmes. Shall I count us into episode five and the title sequence of episode five and definitely not the start of the episode or the middle of the episode of episode five? <laughs> That'd be lovely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, can you can you narrate the titles again? We that was great. Get a press play in three, two, one. Episode five. Spinny circly thing on my DVD. Oh, fucking press play again, for God's sakes. Yeah, and um I mean, I'm I'm a bit gutted that none of you can hear this music. I mean, I can't hear it either, but it is a bit of a ravey version. It's inspired by the orbital version of Doctor Who, I think. We might get it in the at the end in French. <laughs> it's got like a. I break can only apologise to Jack, but I just thought it was terrible. This arrangement of the of the theme. Well, you know, your first Doctor Who theme is your theme. Like this is no, this true. wasn't his first Doctor Who, but yeah. you know. Objectively, that McCoy theme's terrible. Yeah. Oh, I just love oh, yeah, it. Yeah. That's the first one I heard. It makes me feel nostalgic and promises adventure and danger and to anybody but else. The McCoy... Can I ask you, right? There's the a fellow here on the screen. I've got it paused. It looks like he's got the Target logo on his T-shirt. Oh, press play. Everyone <laughs> press play. <laughs> Wait. I haven't got the Target logo guy, but it wouldn't surprise me. People love to throw these things in there. We've got crowds of people coming towards the Schalke, and um, the the, the pe- it's the people that have been perpetuating the Schalke. They, they've been they've all been waking up with sore throats. You're right, that is the Target logo on that guy's chest. Yeah, um, but it's also a mod symbol, I think, as well. But maybe Target logo. And so the, I think it's quite a clever ploy that actually in the middle of the night, people have, that these guys have been screaming out and sort of creating this psychic field or whatever it is that, that's causing all the drama. You know what we forgot to mention way, way back in episode one? That Patsy Smart made an appearance as the old tramp woman. Ooh. Do you remember? Oh, that is funny as well. <laughs> the, the howl when she dies. Have we missed David Tennant as well? Yeah, oh no, where is this David Tennant now? Caretaker uncredited. Yeah, so David Tennant was recording something else next door and was like, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Can I be in this? And they were like, yeah, sure. You know those sequence of the, the flame-wielding mob? Yeah. I thought we'd gone back in time. I'm like, what? what's going on? Why are we in the time of now, the Witch Hunters now? Now, what I was saying earlier about this being worldwide and global and stuff all of a sudden... It is interesting. And then saying I love the darkness of it. I do think these global scenes suffer from the fact it's too dark that you can't really tell what's going on in some of the places. Well, what about the kid with the bandage on his head in the war-torn country? I'm looking That's at him right now. Very dark. That is very dark. It's a strange place for the show to go. I, I hate the, the, the flashing in and out, though. I'm, I'm not sure how else he would have done it. Um I like this idea of the army coming out of the TARDIS, though. Like I said this before, I think. Doctor Who doesn't fill up his TARDIS enough and just use it as a, as a problem solver. Oh, no. I hate the Doctor filling the TARDIS up. We had enough of that in the 80s. No, fill it up. Get everyone to where they need to be. It's a plot device. Oh, no, it's silly. It's silly. I'm with Luke on this. In those Davidson stories, it got absurd when... I'm not talking about Black were... Orchid. Like that was... Think about when we started Doctor Who and Ian and Barbara nearly had a breakdown walking in, and then come awakening, half of Little Hogcomb walks in and just goes, Ooh, There's something that when nice the Doctor idea, gets his knowledge of how to actually fly the TARDIS, the plot holes massively open up. 
across across the board when he can actually choose where and when to go. Because like their them early seasons are all are all fine because he can't control it. I do love that fellow in Black Orchid who just walks in and goes, strike me pink <laughs> when he walks in. Is that not what you'd say when you walked into the TARDIS? <laughs> when I walked into yours, it was, yeah. <laughs> you can't make walk into the TARDIS an innuendo. I can make anything an innuendo. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, the, the You know when we flashed all around the world, we were just talking about there. It is very like the sequence in Army of Ghosts, isn't it? Where we're suddenly at the Taj Mahal and the Cybermen are appearing. And the sequence at the end of the Last of the Time Lords, where we just very quickly cut all around the world mm. as the whole thing's resetting. I, I, I love this global scale. And although we can't hear it now, I really love the music in, in this part where it all starts to build it up. In fact, the, the music in general, putting aside the title music, I would say I prefer it to a lot of Murray Gold season one. Do you know who does the music? Go on. It's Russell Stone from Big Finish, who, I mean, this is all you need to hear. He did the music for Charms of Midnight. There which, we go. He's one, of the, he's one of the best musicians Big Finish had. He's a top lad by all accounts. I, yeah, I don't think you can do a story this big and global with such wank, dull-looking animation. You just fucking hate animation. I bet, I bet <laughs> you think Toy Story shit. No, that's good animation. That's good. I asked uh, a pit, someone the other day if they'd rather sleep with Woody or Buzz, and they said <laughs> they said Woody, even though they think he'd be annoying in bed. So uh, what? What would you choose? Uh, Who would you Bo, choose? Bo Peep. <laughs> you wouldn't choose Bo Peep. No, the crocodile. The, the, Do you the mean dinosaur. The, fucking the dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah, he, he's a laugh. He's a laugh. Yeah. Do you remember that sequence where they're all sitting there on the pile about to go into the furnace? I don't think I've ever been more tense in the cinema than that scene. I watched that in the cinema with four of the lads and we were all 16 and we were all crying. <laughs> it's that, devastating. But I, will, I will also add we were Doctor Who fans, yeah. which meant we were virgins. <laughs> I, I think, just to get back to your original point, that's not about Scream of the Shalker, that I think Buzz Lightyear would be a terrible shag and wouldn't listen to what you want. Uh, I think Woody would be shit, but he put in the effort and want to learn to, and <laughs> how to be a better shag, so I'm fucking Woody, I'm afraid. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'd have it off with Mr. Potato Head. He can put on all kinds of extensions, can't uh, he? Very true. He can be whatever you so want. Cheap, but he wasn't an option. Neither was Barry Peep and neither was the dinosaur. He can be Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head. You know, non-binary potato head. It, it, it works. So on this every... is not great content for the Doctor. <laughs> <Anniversary> <laughs> week, you know, it? the fact that we're talking about which Toy Story characters <laughs> we would have sex with may actually be a comment on the quality of Scream of the Shalker. But let's not also forget that the audience. This is absolutely going to be their favourite. I think, part as of the we said, though, it's the quality. Like the story isn't that bad, and the. Uh... I was really into it by episode five. Yeah, me too. Oh, it was rolling. Yeah, by this. No, uh, but I think I, I don't it, think it, I ever got into it. But but I think it goes to show that without the audio perform, it's not like Mind War where you can sit there and notice loads of interesting visual things and exciting things, or even Probe Time to Die when you can go look at fucking how terrible that is, or <laughs> you know, it, it, it's literally. Who are that burning mob? Who are they? Where are we? <laughs> I think you might be touching. <laughs> something there Dylan because I often do <laughs> because 
No, but you know, with audio, you can imagine mm. how, how everything looks, and that's huge. Yeah. And on TV, you can see loads of different details. And in comics, the, it, things are drawn yeah. quite beautifully. Whereas when it has to be a simplistic animation like this, I just find it not that interesting at all. It's why we don't do commentaries on audio plays. It's it's like the, the, there's nothing to bounce off at the, the sort I of drier moments. Once, and I thought, no, even I'm not going there. I mean, we just had what is a very exciting moment, a baying mob full of shalkers, burning torches, fl- planes flying overhead, dropping bombs. Like, if, if we were watching an episode of televised Doctor Who, we'd be going, this is fucking amazing. Also, great line from the master here where he goes, I am the master, and you will... And the Doctor just goes, come to like me. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a funny little comedy moment. And I don't want to write this off at all. Like, as we, as we say, if... if... The Schalke Doctor turns up in any of the three specials. I'd find oh, it. Please. I'd find it amazing. Imagine if it that. Just... Imagine if that was the only other Doctor to show up in the special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see how cadaverous he is. That's how Richard E. Grant looks now. So he, they wouldn't have to do any makeup at all. But it's oh, it's definitely an interesting. It is an interesting sidestep, and I suppose it's just a shame that the whole story that surrounds surrounds Schalke is just more interesting than. Shalka itself. It's a bit like Sharda. Mm. No, Sharda's got his moments though. Sharda's great. What are you talking about? But everyone knows Sharda as that story that didn't quite get completed, has been made a thousand times. All that sort of Like the the story around it. You you can't go into Sharda without knowing the story around uh, it. What Shalka needs is some linking narration of Tom Baker going, Shalka! <laughs> that would make it. <laughs> With some great um Schalke costume in Momi. Um, Underworld's a better example, I think, of a sort of a, a dreary story with a brilliant behind-the-scenes story behind it. Like that's 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 more comparable to this, I think. I mean, Andrew Pixley used to say sometimes when writing his archives, the the classics would never be that interesting to write about because it turns out everything went right and that was why it was so great. It's the ones where the studio. Do uh, we not find that cancelled. with podcasting as well? Yeah, just. You know, if you're doing a podcast on a good episode, it's very hard to mine anything quite interesting out of it. Mark's podcast, To Watch Who, is a prime example of that. They always find interesting and funny things to say, but when it's an absolute classic, they're just like, yeah, that was really good. And they, you know, we get Neighbours Update and have a lull, but they haven't got much to say. When it's bad or it's not quite working, they go for ages and you're like, oh my God, this is the best insight you're going to get from a non-Who fan and a fan in that respect. Well, it's because she loves all the clangers doesn't she yeah. space museum the chase you know keys of marinus underwater menace and she's got none of those fan perceptions she's there going well that was fun what are you talking about you know? i i can easily say do it when we did lost on gallifrey the two best episodes from my opinion and for fan reaction was that well the black guardian trilogy and silver nemesis yeah. They were the t- there was just so much to talk about and they're in that weird ballpark where you can see why so many people could find them bad but you could see why you would actually like them. It's why I won't do Chimes of Midnight or Spare Parts and things like that on this, because better people than me have already reviewed them and said everything that's going to be said, and we're not going to find a new take, so we're just going to sit there and go, well, they're great, they're great, they're great, and they're great. It's much more fun to Savage Return to Telos instead. No, but also to... It, it is, but also to find those those <laughs> gems is. that you, you weren't expecting to enjoy, or like the Tomorrow Windows, which, you know, is a bit of a forgotten classic, perhaps. 
I think, like, in and out of sort of 600 odd episodes, one of the most interesting recordings I did was with Cy Hart on The Twin Dilemma, which is an absolute clanger in fandoms. But there's just so many interesting things to talk about in it. Absolutely. Maybe then, maybe this is a bit tricky to talk about because it is all those things in a Doctor Who story that are just there every other week. There's something cool going on now. They've removed the ozone layer, which, and we again, the images, but they're, they're turning the planet against... Um, <laughs> what a line to get, to get a girl going. There is something cool going on now. <laughs> They've removed the ozone layer. Yeah, but but it, 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 they're, turn, they're turning the planet against the people. They'll destroy themselves, and then it'll be suitable for them to, you know, habitate. I think this is... Quite good stuff. And the Doctor even says at this point, he goes, you're not predators, you're death incarnate. And at that point, I'm going, yeah, Doctor Who's arrived. But well, that's basically the Zygons, isn't it? Good, isn't there was it? a line in Terror of the Zygons where they went, oh, pile of ice caps are going to be melted. We're going to change the Earth into our... We've hit the title point as well. We've just finished the end. The only thing about five. the... You know, that is a, I actually do like that face-off with the Doctor uh, saying, finishing off those who go down a cul-de-sac. But... The sh- the Schalke aren't doing that because they're they're literally invading, aren't they? Yeah, I I think uh, like they're not finishing off the human race; they are fully killing the human race. So that that doesn't really work. Well, sometimes you just need to be finished off, Luke. <laughs> Finish big. <laughs> exactly. I'm not saying a word. One of the things this lacks, I think, is a really good villainous performance like they, they've got a villain in there but usually if you're if you are telling a cliche Doctor Who story you can have a lot of fun by having the Doctor come up against a really great character actor as a villain I'm not sure this great lizard yeah. really comes now it. if we'd have had another story beforehand of the Master being definitely part of the, the TARDIS and established good guy and then it turns out he was in league with the Shalka I'd be a bit more like and they'd have revealed that in like episode 5 or something like that you'd be like okay because it just sort of lacks that in the Schalke are too one-dimensional in that respect. They're th- they are this big threat, but they're still a very big two-dimensional threat. They're, they're, it was like we were saying before, they're that episode four, five, or six threats. They're not the end-of-season finale or indeed the opening. When Doctor Who started doing opening finales or finales as openers, like the Day of the Moon and stuff like that. So it's just not quite... There's, there's not quite enough in them to sell them as this big menacing threat we all know that they're going to get defeated at the end of the day yeah you're right and it's also in that weird middle ground of it's not it's it's too big to be an opener as we know them now but it's not big enough to be a finale it's quite hard to know where this really sits as you say i think because you because it doesn't feel like either you just know they're going to get defeated and it's just going to be a run-of-the-mill story no matter how global it gets Absolutely. Whilst it, it passes the time amiably enough, I think. I did not enjoy watching this. Um, the things that we've mentioned so far, a Doctor that took ages for us to warm to, a Doctor-companion relationship that we can't buy into, a lack of a good villain, all of those things that we like in Doctor Who. My favourite moments with the Doctor are him versus the Schalke and him with the General. His interactions with any other humans in this apart from the stone-faced military guy, a sort of... They're the relationships that don't work, which is a weird one. And I guess it's not knowing what the take is on the Doctor, and perhaps it is he either crashes against authority in the way the Doctor's always done, or he talks to aliens. But one thing that the classic series wasn't always very good with was the Doctor having relationships with normal people, and I think that it struggles here. 
I, I mean, I, I don't think I have as big as a problem with this Doctor as you two do. I, I think he's slightly cold in the first two parts, but I actually don't mind him. I, I think he, I think he's all right. I, I prefer him much more this time around, but I do think it's this weird. I think it's this weird thing of being there at the time and just being so shocked by how much nobody warmed to him in that performance. <laughs> yeah. I find that completely understandable. <laughs> Sorry to end the episode on a <laughs> on a miserable note. Well, we've got one more to go, and as this goes out, you know, it'll be the day before the Star Beast, a whole new reinvention for the the fourteenth Doctor, who will oh. be nothing like any Doctor we've ever seen before. When you wake up tomorrow, the Star oh, Beast will Jesus. be waiting. You'll wake up to the Star Beast and us seeing if we talk about which Toy Story character we want to shag, or we get any more mileage. <laughs> Out of the with a Beep the meep's gonna be everywhere after this. Exactly. I know. Shall we uh shall we call it there and come back tomorrow? Let's cut it there. Doctor Two 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 Hot for TV.